Welcome to Guaranteed Audio Live. Guaranteed Audio is Guaranteed Video's podcast, and you can find every episode over at GuaranteedVideo.com. For today's episode, we'll be covering the mid-90s dinosaur cinematic classic... What's going on? A dinosaur got into our podcasting compound. Oh no! Kids at home, we need your help. You know what to do. Repeat after me. There's no such thing as dinosaurs. There's no such thing as dinosaurs. There's, There's no, no such, such thing, thing as dinosaurs. There's no such thing as dinosaurs. There's no such thing as dinosaurs. There's no such thing as dinosaurs. That's no... it, kids. It's working. It's like a fossil bone breath. Fuck you. <laughs> Well, we got a great show for you guys tonight. We'll be joined by dinosaur expert Corey Tilton and comedian Rodney Dangerfield. Stick around! It'll be real great! All day, every day, we are inundated with new media. Movies, music, video games, you name it. This is Media Current. Ryan and Neil, what have you been consuming lately? Media-wise. Yeah. I'm gonna do a song. I usually name a movie or a video game. Uh, but I've been thinking about this song a lot lately. Um, we did uh, our last episode was about Power Rangers, specifically the Power Rangers movie. Mighty Morphing Power Mighty Rangers. Mighty Morphing movie. Power Rangers. Um, so I listened to the entire the entire soundtrack because we didn't really talk about the soundtrack. Um, soundtrack's great. Did Van Halen make the soundtrack? Because they're in the movie. There's a Van that Van Halen song is on the soundtrack. But uh, what stuck out to me was uh, the version of Free Ride. You know that song when they skydive. Yeah, it's one of the songs that plays when they skydive. They skydive long enough that there's two songs that play. Um, but uh, hang on, I had to write. I had to make sure I get the band names right. So the original is by the Edgar Winter Group. Came out in 1972 and it's three minutes long. The version that's in the Power Rangers movie is by Dan Hartman, who wrote the song. Uh, and a few years later, in 1979, he put out a seven-minute version of the song that starts off. Very similar sounding, so it kind of tricks you into thinking that you're just listening to Free Ride, but as it goes down this journey, it just it just gets like really disco. Like there's like pew pew sounds. And they use the disco one for the '95 movie. Apparently, but they don't let it go long enough in the in the Power Rangers movie to to really. It like, must have just been cheaper to license it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's also like that weird remix of the of everybody's kung fu fighting that's in that movie. Uh, it's an interesting soundtrack. It's totally worth listening to. We're probably gonna do a whole new podcast on the Power Rangers movie, like a second one, like <laughs> another one, one on the Power 100 Rangers. minutes was not nearly. There enough. are dinosaurs in the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a dinosaur movie. True. I watched Hereditary, uh, a film. The new, yep, the new film Hereditary, with the. Uh, Mostly actors and actresses that I'm less than familiar with, but it's got that great. I, I don't remember the name of her. She's Patty Levin on The Leftovers. She's yeah. Aunt Lydia on uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, she's does a really good job in this. She always delivers. She yes, she totally delivers. We should know her name. You should really know her name by now. You're right. Yeah, and I was disappointed because there was a lot of hype around Hereditary. The trailers, all the promotional material, made it look really scary. It wasn't bad. Yeah, but it was disappointing. And I don't think that this new wave of 
this golden age of horror movies like Get Out, like The Witch, yeah. just because A Quiet Place was not where it should have been in terms of that. Yeah. And Hereditary, I was hoping would just one just trying to grab onto we'll that lifeboat again because yeah. I feel like I'd kind of been thrown off the boat for a bit. Kind of like the, like we talked about with Cabin in the Woods. Uh, it's okay to try to make something new out of horror movies. Yeah. The Babadook is kind of just the boogeyman, but yeah. you did something good with it. Babadook is all about the style. Exactly. Like, like the way it was done. You've seen Babadook, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you could argue Get Out is Invasion of the Body sna- bo- Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but they so clearly did way more than with that. Yeah, you never want to be that reductive with a movie. Be like, oh, this is just... Um, Fern Gully is just this old movie, and, and uh, what's a better example? Uh, Avatar, Avatar is Dancing with the Wolves. Yeah, yes. like, like okay, but those are all radically different films. And like, now when I, you suggested, hey, you should watch this really cool thing that's on Netflix, The Ritual. Again, it didn't like change my perspective on film forever, but they did a good job. And I said, the first thing I, when, uh, I talked to Kevin after I'd seen it was, this is a lot like this other great movie, The Descent. Yeah. Just because it's a lot like it doesn't change the fact that uh, it was really good. So are you saying that uh, Hereditary is better it, it, for your tastes than uh, A Quiet Place, but not quite up to Get Out? Exactly, yeah. exactly. But and still, I am waiting for that next The Witch-level like awesome horror. This looked like it was going to be as awesome as The Witch. And there was a little bit of Rosemary's Baby, and there was a little bit of, uh, yeah, uh, there's a little bit of the of Poltergeist. There's a little bit of the Omen. There was a little bit of yeah, Rosemary's Baby. There's a little bit of things like the Witch and Get Out. Like, uh, Mambo Number Five. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of the Dollhouse episode from Are You Afraid of the Dark? A little bit of M Night Shyamalan. There's a twist. Uh, it just never quite. I was when when A Quiet Place was like a B B minus to me. I really was hoping for an A on this one, and it also didn't quite get there. So A24 is the name of the uh, studio that released it, right? The, uh, I thought A24 is just the distribution company, not the yeah, production yeah, company. But, they, but that, that is, they did distribute this movie, right? They did, yep. This is their first big summer horror movie, because they put it out really? like in yeah. the thick of like blockbuster season. Usually they tuck them away in like, February or something. So it was, it was exciting to see them go like, you know what? No, our movies are big enough that we can own a summer weekend with a horror film again that isn't like... A movie masquerading as a horror film, but it's just like a popcorn movie with a bunch of explosions and stuff. Like, I, I assume it's, I, I hear it's very uh, subtle and suspenseful. Yes, it is. And there's that, I will say, there's a segment from VHS 2, which is an anthology series of, of vignettes that the VH, VH1, VHS 1 and 2 are both good. I'd be happy to see a third. Keep them coming. There actually is a third. What? Yeah. Oh, well, no then I guess about I'll it, check that yeah. out. Um, there's a segment in the second movie that this, that quite, quite frankly, within like 20-ish minutes, they did a better job of doing what Hereditary was supposed to do. Hmm. And uh, again, A24, I don't want you to shut down. but Keep please, doing what you're doing. Keep going. <laughs> keep going. That's you're, my media current. They're making a better effort than most studios to make actually scary movies. Yeah. So and it's hard not to appreciate them for that. Like, you got to take the mediocre with the home runs because they're not all going to be... Piano Man. They're not all going to be Get Out. Um, piano Man? It's a, it's a saying. It's another saying that no one has but me and my family. They can't all be Piano Man means they're not all going to be greatest hits. Not all I, of Billy I was, I was thinking, oh, is that like for... a Candyman kind of movie? Like, did I miss a really good piano-based horror yeah, movie? Uh, yeah, Fred Decker made a horror movie in 94 called Piano Man that I... starring Red Foreman. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. Like, he, you know, he garrets people with the piano strings and stuff. Sayonara. And yeah, he drops pianos on them. There's so many good piano-based kills. Play it again, have. Sam. Or yeah. 
So my media current is uh, recently... Something sharp, knife, A-sharp. I don't know. Sorry, go on. <laughs> recently, my friend Joe Botch and I watched uh, Jackass 2. Um, my buddy Joe and I were at a wedding recently for our good friends, Anthony and Michelle, and we started talking about, man, man, Jackass is great. Let's watch some Jackass soon. And we got together. I, had a, I have DVDs of every skit from the show, and we started watching them. They were pretty funny. But about an hour into that, we're like, we should just watch a movie. The movies are so much more finely tuned and uh, films, yeah. all killer, no filler with the movies. Did either of you watch Jackass growing up at all? No. So, occasionally, but not as not dedicated. I was a big fan. I used to have a poster of Johnny Knoxville in my bedroom. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I was from super Jackass or from from Men Jackass Black okay. from Men in Black Two. <laughs> no, you know, going back to it now, uh, it's still pretty good natured. Like it is crass as sin. And there are the hidden camera bits, mainly Bam Margera's hidden camera bits, where he's clearly staging stuff with his family. His family knows what's going to go on, but they're getting paid, so they don't care. Uh, and the stuff in the public, too. Occasionally, it's just really mean jokes, like where the public is the punchline. Mm-hmm. But they're almost all Bam Margera skits. So you literally can start a skit on a Jackass DVD. Bam goes, hey, this is the skunk car. And you just know, I'm just going to skip this one. Yeah. And that's just what we did. We just skipped Bam Margera's skits. How did he end up getting a solo show? He was by far the least likable. And I hope he's watching right he, now. He was involved. Yeah, Bam, with the, we're calling you he out. He was involved. He's in rehab right now. He, he oh. was involved with uh, the CKY stuff, which predated. Jackass, which became Jackass, basically. Oh, okay. So he was like one of the skateboarding guys that was known as a skateboarder before that show. And um, Johnny Knoxville was moving on to become a movie star. Like, he starred in, like, proper movies. He was the lead actor in a few movies. Mm -hmm. In the wake of people like Logan Paul, you watch the Jackass guys and realize, like, no, there was these. there's a sense of decorum and uh, order to Jackass you didn't notice until you go back and watch it after looking at the Logan Paul stuff. The modern YouTube prank shows uh, where it's just either fake or just just villainous stuff people do with cameras, just making fun of innocent people and hurting people. Whereas on Jackass, you'd have skits like, um, let's uh, take a bunch of (laughs) uh, bottle rockets and try and shoot them out of our butts at each other. Like... Victimless, in my, <laughs> in my opinion. It's funny. It's really funny. And I think, you know, watching these adolescent dudes, like, obviously reminds us of when we were teenagers. And, you know, it's there's definitely some rose-tinted glasses. You can make a, a huge case for why Jackass is, isn't okay. But um, for the most part, they showed a lot of consequence in the show when people would get injured or if they really did. Yeah, that's right. They would, they would spend time showing, like, the recuperation, like going to the hospital, getting CAT scans and stuff. Yeah, I've never I've never seen someone in the modern era come after Jackass. Yeah. When I think about Jackass, that style of public performance, maybe with without the violence, without the menacing, uh, I think of Trigger Happy TV. Yeah. And how they also enjoyed this very specific form, but it was it was never funny that someone got hurt. There was never a violent aspect to it. The punchline in Trigger Happy TV would were, just be, "Isn't this weird?" Were they from Australia? They definitely weren't. Definitely wasn't shot in America, right? I, but Trigger Happy TV, like I, like oh. I, so I like Eric Andre a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But I do not like his hidden camera stuff. Everything outside of his studio, I, it's just not my cup of tea. Like I feel like it's just mean spirited. And Jackass, by the second movie, a lot of it was not hidden camera material. They got back to that for the Bad Grandpa movie, but like their stunts and the fact they talk as if, oh no, we're stuntmen, feels like half the joke to me. I, I could go through any number of those skits and like they come at the camera like with their chests out like okay today's stunt like it I don't know they were showmen and uh, I guess that's what I loved about them that's sort of missing in uh, 
a Logan Paul vertical video. I'm going to throw stuff at innocent people world. I just remembered uh, my little brother a long time ago. He would refuse to swear. But I remember at some point he was trying to talk about the show and he called it Jackbutt. <laughs> I've been, oh, man. Yeah, I just great. remembered that phrase popped up in my head. My eighth grade teacher, Miss Boyer, who's an amazing, amazing teacher, she encouraged me to get into film and video production. She was having a discussion about censorship in class one day and I wanted to mention Jackass and I didn't want to say the name Jackass because you're conditioned to not swear in school. Mm-hmm. And Miss Boyer goes like, just just say, it. what's the name of the show? I'm like, uh, Jackass. And she went, why did you? Why are you afraid to say Jackass, Kevin? I later found out Miss Boyer had like pot leaves tattooed on her ankle. Uh, she was I got cool. in trouble for saying dang once in class. I said dang and the teacher misheard me and he took me uh, outside into the hall after class and said like you do not swear in my classroom and I just I, I, I couldn't win that argument I couldn't be like I said dang I didn't swear I specifically tried not to swear and, yeah uh, it's just like that's the kind of moment that you always try, sticks with you, you getting try like, to Hank Hill yeah chewed out for it. something you didn't do yeah Ugh. damn you <laughs> you can say dang now I, I can say dang now I say dang all the time <laughs> I can see a teacher being afraid they uh, total zero tolerance policy on that because if you give kids an inch, they're gonna take a mile. Yeah. I and uh, but no, they also like there's no way the teacher is gonna go. You're right. I'm gonna listen to your opinion as well. We're both human beings here. It's I'm the adult. I'm in charge. Shut and uh, I'm sure nothing about the elementary school model has changed a lick since we were there. So that'll be it for media current. We'll be back after this with our topic of the show. We're back, A Dinosaur Story, the 1993 Emblemation feature film, executive produced by Sir Steven Spielberg, is the topic of our show today. Ryan Murphy, you have 30 minutes to detail the plot of We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. All right. We find out that the film is structured through a narrative of the main T-Rex, named Rex, narrating to a bluebird who's thinking about running away from home as to how he came to be here to be offering his worldly, f- grandfatherly advice. He's retired. He's retired from being a dinosaur. He's playing golf in what appears to be Florida or somewhere sunny and vac- a destination location. He's voiced by John Goodman, who's kind of doing a Bing Crosby from the Christmas video. He tells a story that millions of years ago, he was a regular Tyrannosaurus Rex chasing after some animal, and then some large stylized spaceship shows up uh, with these big Blade Runner style lights coming out of it and it's sort of a I'm gonna not quite steampunk but a it looks like something Captain out of Treasure Nemo. Planet Treasure Planet exactly yeah. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea spaceship type I guess that it would be Jules steampunk. Verne Jules a very thank you a very Jules Verne style ship comes up abducts him an alien is there flying around voiced by Jay Leno mm-hmm. and the alien uh I can get every. De- they make the dinosaurs smart, and then they dance in the street. And Walter Cronkite is an evil the brother, and it's it's a it's a garbage fire. It's a dumpster fire. It's an absolute <laughs> mess. I can't do in this level of detail You're, for the whole plot. No I got, opinion, please. You just stick to the plot. Okay? I sticked. Just the facts. So in the end, the bird doesn't run away, which is totally inconsequential to every other person and everything in the film. Guys, let's open it up. I can't do this all. Sure. I think that was less than 30 minutes. We're Back, A Dinosaur Story has more padding than I have ever seen in a movie. Like, we put in the VHS tape today. Corey, watch the VHS. There's there's too much and not enough to the movie. Just just from the moment you press play on the VHS tape or the Blu-ray disc or whatever. We watched it on VHS today, courtesy of Corey. Thank you again for that. By the way. Anytime. 
This is Corey, our dinosaur expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here to discuss We're Back, a dinosaur yeah. story. Thanks we for bringing me in for this Corey one. Corey had it on, on tape, and we watched it uh, before we started recording this podcast. Owning We're Back, a dinosaur story on VHS qualifies you as a dinosaur expert. Uh, apparently it does today, which which is okay with me. It's you know. So, so I was looking at your collection, actually, and I noticed you had like a, a corner dedicated to tapes about dinosaurs. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have a a corner dedicated to. There was a series of bad mid eighties, probably like eighty five, eighty six dinosaur. They were not weren't even documentaries. They were documentaries geared towards little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, that just like shaped my early years. Are those the like stop motion ones? Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of stop motion. There's a lot of um, Gary. It's Gary Owens, and I can't remember the other gentleman's name. Do you have the one about the guy who's working in a museum and he's turning into a dinosaur? Yep. Oh, yeah. And it ends with him and like the dinosaur has a mustache and a yeah. glasses to look like. Yep. Okay. Yep. I w- there was, there's a guy who I'm still friends with on, on Facebook and social media named uh, Charles Piper mm-hmm. um, who posted a screenshot of that and went, does anyone else know where to find this thing? What, do you, what is that called? It's called Dinosaurs. It's called. It's just called dinosaurs. It's just called dinosaurs. Okay, there's so many things called dinosaurs. And dinosaur. Then there's a, and then there's a sequel to it called Dinosaurs Again, I believe. <laughs> not, and not then there's a sequel too. to that called More Dinosaurs. Is that by the claymation Christmas guys? Uh, uh, Will Vinton. Yeah. I think it is. I, I think like the, at least the claymation portions of them. They're they're super like super eighties stylized. Because I remember the the claymation dinosaur at the end looking really cool, like kind of almost creepy. Yeah, it's it's really it's really well done. I don't know how they got budget for this at the time because it it's it's a little little kids. It's geared towards children. It's like a you know TV special. T- yeah, I don't think I don't even know that it was ever on TV. It it had to it had well, to have been. everything was on TV, TV at one point. Yeah, yeah. Um, they couldn't put that in theaters. Yeah, like. but they were. They were entertaining, and they were super, at least for the time, they were super informative. Well, they laid the groundwork for Dinosaur Mania, which led to the ultimate culmination in 1993. 93 absolutely was the apex of Dinosaur Mania for a wide variety of reasons. Yeah, we had the Mario Brothers movie. We were back a Dinosaur Story. I think Carnosaur came out Adventures in Dinosaur City. Yeah, anyway, it was just a really big year for dinosaur yeah. stuff. Now, We're Back came out in November and apparently was in development for almost five years, and it does not show. That <laughs> no. movie is 72 minutes, I'm guessing. It's very short, very short. If you told me they had to throw out half of it for some reason and then start over, that would make sense. And the thing is, th- I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of padding. The opening, you put the tape in, you hit play, and there's a slow startup like just black screen white credits mm-hmm. they play the big song i'm assuming it's called roll back the rock or something yeah, like that yeah. they play like the popcorn song in the movie for the fir- they play it four times during the film in 72 minutes they play the same song four times the song really feels to me like an afterthought like somebody some executive said it's not a musical this, move, this mo- exactly this movie does not stand on its own two legs yeah. it's got to have a song that the kids are singing when they leave the theater sure and and so the opening song hits and the credits hit then the opening scene hits with this bird running away from his family and he runs into the dinosaur it takes a few minutes to see the first dinosaur which is fine you got to build suspense and then that narrative device begets the second narrative device, which is flashback to the Cretaceous period or whatever, 
But then they they get abducted by the alien. They get turned into super smart dinosaurs. All these dinosaurs like get collected by cereal. yeah by this like super smart benevolent Wizard of Oz type guy named uh, what's the good guy's name? New Eyes. Doctor New Eyes, voiced by Walter Cronkite. Kind of mm-hmm. looks like uh, Mark Twain. He looks exactly like yeah, very, he's Mark yeah. Twain. Very Mark Twain. Yeah. Now now the thing is so. He has a brother who's the best part of the movie. He's yeah, the bad guy. Let's just guy. get let's just get to the good guy. The, the best part of the movie. The bad guy. Screw eye. Doctor Screw Eye? Professor Screw Eye. Is it's it eyes. It's plural. It's plural. Eyes, Even though he has which, one eye. He has one screw for an eye. Yeah. Okay, okay. His eyeballs and that was replaced. all I remembered from this movie. Because I think I uh I think I saw another movie. 93. So I may have I may have uh, left the theater after Nightmare Before Christmas yeah. and gone Same into man. the next theater where like my sister was watching this or something and I just caught like the end of his arc. And I remember seeing the screw eye and being like, what is this movie? Now, now so we all agree the movie would be more interesting if it was just about the two brothers. Yeah, that's what I realized halfway through the movie was there's a cool, you described it as Ray Bradbury. It's a little bit, uh, yeah, spooky circus, like something wicked this way comes. Um, He's not much of an antagonist. He, I mean, he has, I they, think he's supposed to be. He has they do an evil they, traveling circus. Yeah. Which, he, by the way, there's something to be said for your difficult to really swallow all the pieces of traveling circus. Got booked. You got a booking in Central Park in Manhattan. They make Central you Park. You must be doing awesome. very well. <laughs> like, well, he. So everything that's this evil about Giuliani cleaned up. I guess. <laughs> so basically, these dinosaurs get abducted to be made smart against their will and put in the Museum of Natural History? Natural History. Yes. Yep. They say okay. it like six times. And right. Dr. New Eyes, which implies that he didn't have eyes, Dr. New Eyes is going to put them in this museum so kids can see them. That's that's the crux of the movie. That's uh, his plan. All these kids across the world have wished, I just wish I could see dinosaurs. That's yes. literally the plot of the movie. Okay, they show right? bubbles. He has, he has a machine. Bubbles. I have written down every disparate uh, plot point in this movie. Okay. Which, by the way, there were four directors. Four. Yeah. 72 minutes. So Four we got, directors. There's an alien, which doesn't matter. There's a wish radio. There's brain grain, which is cereal that makes you smart. Then brain drain. Brain drain, which, which is, is drugs. Drugs. Just they just look like glowing they, they just pills. Look like, they just look like Drugs Advil. are bad, kids. Yeah. Like, there's like nothing. They, cereal is good and drugs are bad. Yeah. They look like 800 milligram ibuprofen. Okay. There's, uh, like- there's runaway children. Yep. There's New York City. There's the parade. Um, there's. Do they ever say it's the Macy's Day Parade? No. No, Spider-Man but they do, it's clearly they do have like Snoopy and Clifford and a and bunch of Spider-Man. Like, so Spider-Man, it's an intellectual yeah, yeah. property. It's clearly the Macy's Day Parade. Yeah. Uh, there's a dark circus. There's a blood contract. Time travel. There's a fright radio. There's time travel. There's a spaceship. Um, De-evolving drugs, which were the brain drain drugs. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. devolve you, Mario Brothers. They devolve you. Okay, yeah, yeah. Those were okay. There's like hypnotism, monkey, um, and then there's Little Richard. So that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay. Back to the brothers. So the bad brother runs this circus, and I get the vibe that the bad brother was like run out of town or something, right? We don't. Well, they explain. Do you remember the explanation? He was of- driven mad because he lost his eye. I know people who have one eye. That's not a prerequisite for going crazy. That's the That's only the, explanation you're given. That's the quote. And we even talked about watching, like, maybe, like, he, he was driven mad when I killed his wife. Like, yeah, that could do it. So that's literally the line. He, like, he was driven mad you, when man. he lost his eye. He lost his fo- eye. And is it implied that, like, a crow pecked it out or something? No. There's always crows around. <laughs> There's him. crows around. There's but- a bird theme in this movie. 
Which, do you think that's because, like, dinosaurs, dinosaurs and birds? birds? Yeah. So the dinosaurs are going to be put into the museum, but they screw up in New York City and, like, run amok. And there's a big music number, and it's very expensive-looking animation-wise, but it's edited terribly. And the movie has a lot of weird, awkward pauses. And eventually they get into Central Park, where they meet the bad brother, Dr. No eyes, screw eyes, Dr. Screw, screw eyes. And Dr. Screw eyes is like, Professor oh, I want these dinosaurs to join my circus. So he asks them. He, like, blackmails them by... He said, I'm going to keep the children de-evolved as monkeys, a la King Koopa style, yeah. unless you do what I say, unless you take these drugs. And he literally reaches into his coat and pulls out a glowing bottle of ibuprofen. It's funny to watch it now because Dr. Screw Eyes, they do everything in their power, the four directors of this movie, <laughs> to make him evil-looking. But I don't think he's quite... Like he basically wants to run a good carnival. Yeah, I mean he's, <laughs> he wants to put he on wants a good to show. scare people, and people want to be scared. They're not going. He's not forcing. They've people really to go villainized there. the idea of being yeah. scared. Yeah, that very unlikable clown, which was Martin, Martin Short, Short, correct? I like him. Like, Snubs. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. But when he explains to the children, this is a scary ride. Like, good. Yeah, they really Good. villainize the act of like being yeah. scared in, in a way. It's that's like a kind spook house. Like, yeah, I get the, I get it. Doctor New Eyes played God when he <laughs> went back in time, stole dinosaurs, and like gave them a soul. Basically, he went made them sentient. Yeah, and they suddenly could. Speak. And then guilt tripped them. Yeah, Scro uh, Screw Eyes has predatory contracts that he's having children sign without any. He seems so indifferent. Mm. Like the kids he seems indifferent. He tries like, to send right, them. He tries oh. to turn them away when they show up at the circus. <laughs> That's true. At first, like shows clothes, leave me alone, and then we meet these characters for such a brief length of time <laughs> to then find out the next morning at dawn when the children wake up, like, oh no, are we like under contracts forever? And the clown explains, no, he tore them up. So, so, yet, so yet again, there's so many these two runaway kids oh. who are hanging out with the dinosaurs want to run away to the circus because it's apparently the 40s or something. It's not though. There's like modern the like the kids get exactly what they want. The, the kids get exactly what they want, even though Doctor Screw Eyes tells them he doesn't want to hire them. He's like, ah, get out of here. Like mm -hmm. they they bug him for like five minutes. He goes like, fine, sign this. Yeah. How is Willy Wonka a hero in this guy? And they, so he, he's, they sign the contract. They they start to cry. Like, because they get exactly what they want. They're eight-year-old children. That's what happens. Yeah. And so then the dinosaurs show up, and the dinosaurs, to free the children, are going to take their place and get de-evolved into monsters, right? And that's that's when we see Dr. Screw-Eyes' show. Like, mm -hmm. you know, he de-evolves them into monsterous dinosaurs. Like they're, they're It's like a crazy Alice Cooper circus. It's cool as shit. Yeah. It's like, and I'm not trying to be like cynical. I, it was the most entertaining stuff in the entire movie. He's right? got lasers. Yep. He's got some real, yeah. It's, it's apparently like a, magic's real and he can control it too. Well, it, it, oh, either that or it's like a Las Vegas like magic show. Like he's got yeah. some high production value little, stuff. It's a little going bit of both because they keep cutting to like the tech guy who's yeah. like pressing buttons and making mm -hmm. the smoke happen. But and they really stress that like, oh, the the creatures in his show are people in costumes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct. Which is yeah. fine. And he restores it's, natural order with the dinosaurs. Yeah, he puts them back yes. to the way they were. Yeah. And the, the, and he's but he's also trying to mind control them with his magic screw eye, which can hypnotize you. And he only uses it once, and it doesn't work. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. true. As soon as his lights come on, they're <laughs> like, whoa. whoa. That's why you do a soft opener. 
So anyways, that's basically the end of the movie. You can figure it out. The kids use the power of love to break the dinosaur's spell, and then the dinosaurs go to the museum, and everyone's happy. Well, no, they, they, they get out the of the jam too. is because the little girl, who's voiced by Lisa Simpson, doing Lisa, Lisa Simpson's voice. Not trying to change it a beat. So she wishes... Uh, what was her prayer? She, like while yeah, when she literally puts her hands together. It's a prayer. And she says, "It's such Quote, weird." Let's no let no bad happen. I had to remember that because it's such weird English. Let no bad happen. And then um, Walter Cronkite comes back. That's yeah. the beacon. That's the beacon because he has Doctor Who his wish radio that he built that he uses to spy on children, and he finds yeah. out. That oh they're in trouble and then he comes back. What and a saves perfect them. wish! He should I have been have watching them the whole point. time. Say I wish no bad would happen. A few things. <laughs> Number one, this was not a Don Bluth film. It looks there like it. Are aspects of it that really do look like Don Bluth and his style. There's some surprisingly really beautiful animated segments in this. Yeah. Some cool backgrounds, some detailed characters, some some intense direction. Yeah, yeah. At the time, the the yeah. little bluebird at the beginning, bluebird beginning alliteration. Uh, I thought looked a lot like the character design of Rockadoodle, sure. which was a Don Bluth towards the end of his period. And I thought, oh, is this like the way that, like how Disney has a way they always draw crocodiles and elephants? They have a, There's like probably some crossover because Spielberg yep. worked with Don Bluth a bunch. Yeah. And then uh, I think this was right after they parted ways. This, and I, he, he might have just snagged some of the people yeah, from Don probably. Bluth's team and said poached, if you will, hey, I got one way of drawing birds, Mr. Spielberg, and yeah. you're, you're going to take it or leave it. Speaking of birds, um, the uh, the way uh, Screw-Eye dies in the movie. is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, none of the heroes kill him. They just say, like, do you want to come with us? And he says, no. Nah. Nah. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, we're going to take off in this spaceship and we're going to leave you alone in your circus tent. And then they leave him alone, and suddenly it becomes a much better movie for about 20 seconds. It's incredible. And he says, uh, you know, when I'm alone, the crows. And then, like, all these crows like or birds yeah. Yeah, start swarming around him, and uh, the sound design gets very intense. And the they lighting. cover his body completely. It's like and, Brazil. Yeah, it's like that scene from Brazil. And then the birds take off, and there's nothing there. And just the screw falls and hits the ground. And then a bird blows some green smoke off of it and runs away with it. It's and incredible. It's just, yeah, it's just this weird. That's like the part that I think I saw when I was a kid in the theater and thought like, oh, this is a weird movie. It's an adult movie. Yeah, that's that's like the mystical, magical strangeness that the whole movie should have just been. Exactly. It like yeah. suddenly admits for twenty seconds, like this should probably be like heavy metal or something. Yeah. Like, there's like, yeah. A, all right, but now back to the trash fire you've been yeah, watching. Yeah, just take the dinosaurs out. That's like the weird thing. You could probably get away with having a spaceship and a couple weird dream radios. And a dark circus. The two little runaways in this movie, they kind of, there's, They're this rarely works in movies, and it's a big 80s, 90s things where you have a romantic subplot between little kids, and they're all embarrassed, but it's supposed to be adorable, and I never liked that kind of The girl of thing. was very aggressive about and, it. Yeah. Yeah, because this went a little bit further. Like, they kiss several times, and too, she's, like, doing the... Too many shots of the sex. No, eyes. a boy's supposed to kiss the girl. Now you kiss it, me, and she oh, wants it. Man. And, uh, yeah. yeah, no one's getting anything out of it. I'd like to state for the record that I don't think that Julia Child's... Uh, is it with an S or just child? 
I don't know. I don't, I'm not familiar with her body of work. She wasn't familiar with this body of work because I think that she read her lines, didn't know what this movie's of. Her she, job is to pick up the dinosaurs she's the and curator. she fails. She's, she's, she's Dr. New Eyes's scout at the museum. Okay. Like She's like on Earth and she got beaconed one night like a Green Lantern. Right. Why can't Dr. Some, New Eyes be there in New York? Why and like he, look why after he throw the dinosaurs? Them out with parachutes, he just literally throws them, the them out and then says, I'll see you at the end of the movie. Why yep. can't the Museum of Natural History just have a good dinosaur exhibit? Why does yeah. a dinosaur exhibit have to be no grown-ups allowed? It's our secret. That that's was messed weird. up. Yeah, that's yeah. They're that like, was, all right, some weird. How are they convincing parents to like let your children? You're gonna stay out here. The children are gonna come beca- behind this. Rex has very few lines in the whole movie, and one of them is telling a child behind closed doors, this is a secret. This will be our little secret. Not okay, Uh, man. Five years. This movie (laughs) took five years. Like, this movie was in development before Little Mermaid. And then Little Mermaid comes out, and they're like, oh, we got to step our game up. It's not the thief and the cobbler either. It's not like going to change the way, you know. It's not like, wow, I really see where they're going with this. Like, no one could see where they're going with this. And that's. It's all right. So, my my list of things I wrote down watching the movie, which is just random things I saw in the movie, I think this is the outline of the movie. (laughs) This is what it looked like. Someone just wrote, uh, you know, golfing, Jay Leno, a wish radio. Then they kind of tied it all together with uh, popsicle sticks and band aids, and yeah, it's just it's just way too many elements. Yeah, too many sidekicks, too many yeah. weird, quirky, loud, high energy. This film was mostly weird, bothersome side. Duty, no dweeb. Dweeb. Dweeb, dweeb was clearly supposed to be a comic relief. They're all but there's comic too relief. many. He gets kind of ousted by all the other comic relief. I don't remember him telling alien. any jokes. Yep. By the the clown who I find objectively annoying. Mm-hmm. Who their their roles could have been consolidated as well as Dweeb and the kids. Well as, the kids are also wisecracking and, yeah. and the alien. alien. Who's the straight man? Uh, John Is Goodman. John Goodman. Rex, I guess. I guess. But John Goodman's being very cute and soft spoken in this yeah. movie. He's very nice. Now you, I heard through you, Neil, that apparently. There was a voice actor shuffling, and that John Malkovich yeah. was supposed to do a voice in this. I'd have to grab my phone to get the quote, but there is a pretty funny quote from John Malkovich, <laughs> like 15 years later, talking about like how sternly this, worded. How, yeah, because I think he was going to be the voice of maybe Screw Eyes or something, and he dropped out of the project or something, and he just uh, he just like carried this grudge about this movie for years, talking about how it started out as something nice and just got just got messed with by the studios too much. You can see it. Yeah, like, you can totally see it. It's like a it. mess of a movie. And like, yeah. I, now what's redeemable about it? Because we started getting into this some before the, we got yeah. sidetracked again. Like there's some money on display. Some of it's fun to look at. The character designs for the dinosaurs when they're bad, when they're natural, <laughs> is way cooler than their dumb cartoony stick yeah. to two eyes together. And also the character all, all, design all the Rex, character All the character design except for the dinosaurs when they're cute and cuddly. Because I don't like that. But So... Cecilia Nuthatch, the boy crazy girl who runs away from home because her parents don't live with her anymore. They're uh, on vacation or something. All the yeah. time. Without, without her. her. So Cecilia Nuthatch throws her hat out the window and there's this incredible whimsy that the music swells. She throws her hat out the window of a skyscraper to signify that, yes, I'm liberated because now I'm going to run away. The hat floats down and finds another little girl that looks exactly like her. But slightly younger. Yeah. And she's but, looking through the window at the exact same hat longingly 
that wouldn't be an amazing. It, it, it's so cl- to us all four grown men watching this film on a hot day who went, wait a second, is this like a flashback to when she was I younger it was a and flashback. she first got the hat? As a kid, because I thought it was a flashback. if we are all collectively confused based on how they put these visuals together, then a child is not getting it. The, that, that whole sequence is so confusing because we're looking at her through a shop window because she's looking at a similar hat and then she gets the other hat that was thrown out the window and then it fades to black and fades back up from black very quickly to another shot through a window of one of the dinosaurs. And I thought... If you blink, you just think the dinosaur was next to her. But no, it's like another block of New York City. Like, there's just a lot of really confusing, weak edits in this movie. That the, the whole thing is really just hamstrung together. The whole movie feels like it's made of those early '90s, late '80s animated parts that are just kind of weird and cuddly and emotional. Like, if you watch yes. the Land, Before, if you watch the Land Before Time. Uh, that's also kind of a hacked up movie, but it's whittled down. They didn't add things to it. Um, so it feels like an incomplete movie, but the stuff that's there is like really gripping. And that's a movie with no comic relief. There's no. humor in it, but it comes from the kids being cute and having cute voices and having cute personalities. It's another Spielberg dinosaur. It's thing. another Spielberg. It's the mm. one you should watch if you want to watch a Steven Spielberg dinosaur movie because it's much better and much classier. <laughs> um, but, so uh, sad. But <laughs> such a sad movie. It's so yeah. sad. But this movie feels a little bit like it or other Don Bluth Were there movies. Any at times. references to that movie in this? Do you think there'd be Again, one? Again, I really think that uh, John Goodman's Rex, that when he is in his natural state, that 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 specific model, that character design for a T Rex, is just stolen from the T Rex. Oh first. yeah, he's like a he's like an orangish brown version. He looks of very yeah. the green T Rex. The sharp tooth. The yeah, very sharp tooth. Sharp tooth. Yeah. I think we're out of positives. I don't know anything else to really celebrate. Yeah, I mean, there's some good animation in it. Yeah. It's got that weird kind of dreamlike quality to it at times. Um, you saw, so you saw that one scene when you were a kid in the theater. Had you you watched the Blu-ray not that long ago? Yeah, I did watch the Blu-ray, uh, and it's every bit as weird and high in high definition as it is on a tape. Ryan, did you see it on, at home video? On home video, I saw it in the theaters actually. Yeah, I remember the commercial like be it was yeah it was ear candy. It was that stupid Robots, song did exactly exactly yeah. what some studio executives wanted to. They wanted obnoxious little. Four, five, five, six-year-old Ryan Murphy to go pay for my movie ticket. Corey, did you see in theaters? Uh, I believe I did. I think I, I would have been six at the time, so I was seeing most dinosaur things in the theaters at that point. So I, I must have. I, re, I remember the move. I remember the song. I remember singing the song as a child, like in the car. It's real catchy. Yeah. I remember my brother and I knew from the promotional material. It's tough not to ruin this movie with a commercial for it. I mean, there's not a lot of movie to talk about. Of uh, we we know they're gonna be dancing and singing at the parade, yet we're still quite excited when they built up to it. Yeah, there's no build up. A character just says like, "I know where we can hide you," and then they they like the the screen flips basically, Mm -hmm. and then they're just in the parade. Cool. Yeah, (laughs) Kevin, I remember like a year ago you were like humming that song, and I was like. I know what you're singing. <laughs> I caught you. I caught you. You're a spy. <laughs> yeah, you claim you haven't seen this since you were a kid, but I we had the tape as a kid. Um, you just remember we got the it song around Christmas, and I think we my parents bought the tape. So that wasn't like some five dollar investment. Mm-hmm. That was probably like ninety dollars or something. <laughs> uh, I watched it alone. I didn't even watch it with my kid sister at the time, mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, I it just like went in one ear and out the other. Like I had I didn't I don't remember ever revisiting it. I remember the song because they played it four times. <laughs> um, I didn't know until today that Little Richard did the song at the end. Yeah, cool. they reprised the song again, and it's Little Richard singing it. And although John Goodman, you know, he delivers. <laughs> he can he sing. Does his job. Yeah. He's a good singer. Uh, at the end of the day, little like, all right, but we need Watch the version. Watch True Stories, People Like Us. It's a good song. Yeah. He, um, God, I, I'm sure there's a We're Back soundtrack that must be mostly <laughs> versions of that one song. <laughs> I, mean, I also yeah. forget one last thing about this movie's shamelessness. Uh, so the analogy is Ninja Turtles is to pizza. As Street Sharks is to... Cheeseburger, cheeseburgers, I think. Chili mm-hmm. dogs were Sonic. These guys eat hot dogs. In Children. one scene. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're right. They're like a classic, like everyone. And I I don't know what uh, Biker Meister Mars ate, but it wasn't cheese, because even though that really sells itself, right? I yeah. mean, but whatever. Because <laughs> they're mice. But uh, yeah, for some, they had to establish that's a weird 90s trope. Our food is... Hot, hot, hot dogs. dogs. And they drop it. They eat the hot dogs on the spaceship at the beginning. hot dogs in their noses and stuff. It's yeah, that's disgusting. Like, I think just animators like drawing hot dogs. They're easy to draw. Yeah, well, like walking around New York City, like they could have they could have filled another five minutes of time with them like chasing down a hot dog stand. Or, there like, was a hot dog gag in the oh, chase I didn't scene. Even, yeah. uh, yep, after they got out of the yeah, the, uh, No, they, the they like drag a bunch of hot dogs out of the supermarket. Yeah, someone's trying to rob a supermarket oh, yeah. at gunpoint. And then, and then they, they the knock him out, he, and he flies out. across the street into the police station, and all the hot dogs land on a hot dog vendor's cart. Well, that was We're Back, a Dinosaur Story. Stay tuned for our episode's quiz, themed on dinosaurs. Little water. Yeah. You know that uh, the new Jurassic Park movie came out recently? If you guys, you know, I don't want to tell you how to, you know, run your show and stuff, but if you're looking for stuff to talk about. It'll be real great! A quiz 65 million years in the making. Every episode of Guaranteed Audio has a quiz segment. In this episode's quiz is run by Neil Cesariga. Neil, would you explain how this quiz is going to work? Uh, like many other quizzes, uh, the the master of the quiz will ask a question. Uh, for this one, I rigged up a system where you can buzz in if you want to try first to answer the question. And if nobody answers in five seconds, then we move on. And any button buzzes in. Yes, any button. Any, every so. button works. Cool. Okay. Uh, Dinosaur-themed qu- questions tonight. All right. Are we ready? Yes. Yes. Confirmative. <clears throat> what planet did dinosaurs come from? Ryan. Earth. Correct. Haha. <laughs> That's your first question? Yes. Okay. Yes. Just to get... All right. <laughs> okay. It works. Just a <laughs> proof of concept. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Next question. What prehistoric family used dinosaurs as domestic slaves? Kevin. That would be the Flintstones. Correct. What was Pee Wee Herman's pet, pet, pet pterodactyl named? Kevin. Terry. Correct. Ah, that's good. No study. <laughs> the film Theodore Rex cost $33 million to make. What world record did it hold? Corey. Uh, biggest loss. Incorrect. Anyone else? Kevin. Theodore Rex, is that the name? Yes. Had the fewest screens opening weekend. Uh, incorrect. <laughs> um, uh, should I just skip this question? Hang or on, let me you... try. Uh, All right. Most expensive comedy up until that point? Was it labeled as a comedy? 
You get a buzz in, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Most expensive comedy. Incorrect. Oh, damn it, alright. <laughs> so, um... It was the most expensive direct-to-video movie ever made. <laughs> oh, no theatrical release. Mm, yeah, What's the current score? Um, the current score is Kevin has one, Ryan has zero, Corey has negative one. <laughs> I'm doing well. Yeah. <laughs> what are the two main colors of Barney the dinosaur? Corey. Uh, purple and green. Correct. In the Super Mario Brothers movie, what were the two henchmen named? Ryan. One was Iggy, and the other was not Lloyd. That's stupid. That's Harry and Lloyd. Iggy and is it Pop? Are they named Iggy and Pop? <laughs> that would be. You know what? You got one. Okay. I'm gonna give you the point. It was Iggy and Spike. Spike. Uh, damn it. The Super Koopa cousins. <laughs> That's them. In the Rugrats in-universe stage show Reptar on Ice, dinosaurs are described as the ancient enemy of whom? Kevin. Dinosaurs are the ancient enemy of man. Correct. What's your favorite dinosaur? Corey. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Incorrect. Correct. <laughs> I almost got you there. What was the last name of the dinosaur family on ABC's Dinosaurs? Ah. Corey. Sinclair. Correct. In what film did Ringo Starr combat dinosaurs? Ah. Ryan. The Caveman. Correct. In what film did Will Ferrell combat dinosaurs? Corey. The Land of the Lost. Correct. In what 2012 film did Dwayne Johnson combat dinosaurs? Corey. Journey to the Sun of the Earth 2? Correct. Uh -huh. Not with Brendan Fraser. You got the point. <laughs> All right, and I believe this is the final question. Approximately how many The Land Before Time films have been made? Kevin. Approximately? Approximately. Eleven. Incorrect. <laughs> Anyone else? Corey. I'm going to say nine. Oh, incorrect. <sighs> Ryan. I'm going to go up. I'm going to say 14. Absolutely correct. What? Wow. <laughs> what a disappointing wow. validation. Now, if any of you had guessed 13 or 15, I would have given you the point, but you got it exactly correct. What a 14. sad real way to learn that. This there should not be 14. Wow. That's well, like, the winners, that like hurts my childhood right there. The tied winners are Corey and Ryan. Yay! So congratulations, you two. You know the most about dinosaurs. Real dinosaur facts that I researched. Thank you for playing. We'll be right back with questions from our patrons. Questions from patrons. Ooh. I wrote that on the train uh, coming down here. It'll be real great. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the one and only Rodney fucking Dangerfield. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. I went to the cemetery to see the gravestone my kids got me. I got to my stone, you know what it said? Space for rent. <laughs> when I was dying, the doctors told me, Rodney, you got 24 hours to live. I said, Doc, I'll tell you what, can I space them out? <laughs> the doctor told me, I need you to pee on this cup. I said, sure, 
but can you get me one of those tiny little Dixie cups? The doctor says, why, you having trouble producing urine? I said, no, it just makes my dick look bigger. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I tell you, I can't keep up with all these websites. Every time I look, there's a new website. Somebody ought to kill that spider. <laughs> Boy, the world has changed a lot since I passed. The thing has spun around about 5,000 times. I'm getting dizzy. <laughs> they got driverless cars nowadays. We had those when I was young too. We called them empty cars. And they were much safer. They didn't move. <laughs> so, this show's for free on YouTube? You're giving it away. Jeez, everybody wants to be on YouTube, then they want to be on Netflix. Me? I want to be at home with my grandkids. I wish I wasn't dead. <laughs> I used to get moths in my sweaters. Now I get worms. <laughs> hey, it's hard to find clothes now that I'm dead. The other day, I'm shopping for a coat. I ask for a medium. They say, right away, sir. And they bring out a fortune teller. I say, wow, you can read my mind? She says, of course, and it's a quick read. <laughs> no respect. People with low self-esteem get into the hard drugs, and it's a shame. You see people smoking a jazz cigarette, and that's no trouble. Jazz cigarette? You mean marijuana? Yeah, pot. But you know, I saw a fellow last night in front of a club smoking a jazz cigar. Jazz cigar? Yeah. Crack. <laughs> so I tried crack the other day. Thank you, thank you. I mean, what's it gonna do, kill me? I mean, the stuff feels great. It's everywhere up in heaven, and it's free. You should legalize it. You'd all be better off, I'm telling you. Why, it'd be great for the economy. You'd all be happier. What kind of free country would keep crack off the streets? I told you this was a bad idea. So I was fucking Joan Rivers up in heaven the other day. We were blazed on crack, and it was the best love making. Rodney Dangerfield, everybody. Hey, what are we doing? We're answering questions from patrons, questions you can solicit over at guaranteedvideo.com. Any backing for our movie-making efforts allows you, yes, you, to ask questions on our show. Wow. Ryan. Ask questions. We got some questions right here. We're going to hit the ground running. Nick Ugocini asks, and I hope I'm saying that name right, Nick, and apologies if I'm not, what's your least favorite Pokemon and why? Neil. Uh, whatever Pokemon is number 152, mm. because that's when I stopped caring. That's when I checked out. Yeah. Um, do either of you know what, what that is, by the way? No. Of the next league's... They're measured in leagues. You anything know, after Mewtwo, yeah. basically? Yeah, anything yeah. after Mewtwo. I just, yeah, I, I, I don't want that. I concur. Uh, either wait, wait, wait. Isn't Mewtwo 150 and Mew is 151? Which doesn't make sense that the mutant uh. created from Mew, who's my favorite, by the way, that's not what the question <laughs> asks, why would the mutant version, of, why would the bastardization of Mew come before Mew? Because the system is created by a hack, and <laughs> this is not real. Yeah. Kevin, least favorite. Any of the chaff Pokemon from the first hour or so of the game when you're walking through wheat fields that, you know, the plant Pokemon, basically, before any evolutions go down. They're just, you know, they're just fodder. Or when you're walking through a cave and you run into, like, Zubats over and over again. Just annoying. Or yeah, the rat. rat yeah, yeah. Well, the, rats are, the rats look pretty cool, at least. They look cool, but there's a lot of them, right? There's a lot of yeah. them. Too many rats. Too many rats. Uh, for me, Jinx. 
She's fucking racist. <laughs> She's a racist I caricature. They've cleaned the good people of Nintendo well, have, have changed. changed. Her We're gonna look like assholes. Her character design. No, I mean, I hate but Jinx that too. Pokemon is a racist caricature, and I'm so glad they fixed. They acknowledged it's a problem, and they fixed it. Good on them. And I still love Mew. Question number two from Melody Doll: What's your favorite type of rock or mineral, and why? Kevin, you do. Kevin, this you take this. Favorite rocks. Sedimentary? I, I, Sedimentary I is a good I, one. I, I what if I was work. like, <laughs> so I don't think that's appropriate for this. I got to say, uh, well, you, I'll give you guys a minute to think about, <laughs> I know what about rocks. Rock. I was actually thinking about this question the other night, and it's funny. The first thing I thought of is my favorite is Fool's Gold, which his actual name is Pyrite. Pyrite. And I this and the reason why I like Fool's Gold is because I have a piece of it from the, the Natural History Museum, the Boston Science Museum in Boston. I've had it ever since I was a kid. I got it from the gift shop. And I remembered my own little mnemonic device for learning the name of Pyrite is I sing a little bit of Billy Joel's I don't care what you say anymore. This is Pyrite. Answer the question, guys. <laughs> Ryan bought I me was, all that time, and I still. <laughs> I was gonna say pyrite, but I was gonna make a stupid joke about like how like was it Billy oh, Joel? Yeah. No, my joke was right. gonna be like, oh, I love pyrite. It's worth a lot of money. It's a type of gold. <laughs> <laughs> you can find all sorts of pyrite deposits. Um, uh, geodes are cool. I yeah, think uh, yeah, I'm awesome. gonna take geodes. Um, have you ever seen the movie The Gate? There's a cool evil geode in that. Um, I got a geode from Canopy Lake Park. Also through their gift shop. I'm a fan of gift shops. I like them. Canopy Lake Park, by the way, when Six Flags is too far away. Yes. That's what it's for. And then I rinsed it off. It got dusty. And I rinsed it off. And I real and that's when I did this. I just ran it out of the sink for a little while with moderately warm water. And a bunch of dye came off the center of it. And I realized that I had been cheated. They just painted it a little because it wasn't that interesting inside. <laughs> and I got a bad geode from Canopy Lake Park. Oh, that's man. a shame. Yeah. I think we should move on from this yeah. question. Well, wait, gotta, what's your favorite rock? I don't have a favorite rock. It's, that's why it's okay to move on. Okay. <clears throat> question three. Michael, in parentheses, kicking rad, Corliss. <clears throat> okay. As kids, that who probably walked down the horror aisle at your video store, what were some of the more fascinating covers you remember? Perhaps the most disappointing movies compared to very promising covers. It's a great question. Mm. Yeah. Um, I you can make a lot of money off that cover. It doesn't mean you get what you want. My parents let me get away with renting a lot of horror films for a while because I used to want to rent things like Vincent Price movies, like really just totally okay for kids to watch horror films from the 60s and stuff. Um, I never got to rent The Amazing Melting Man, The Incredible Melting Man. Is that the 70s one? Yes. Do you remember this movie? No. You did a Mystery Science Theater about it. It's, it's the, the, the cover's intense, uh, and it, it was just a, a disturbing idea about a man melting apart. It's like an astronaut. I think the whole movie's up for free on YouTube. Um, but my parents wouldn't let me rent that. They let me rent the Toxic Avenger movies, which are borderline X-rated. Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, also not worth watching. Right? But that's a great cover. <laughs> The, the amazing melting they're trauma man. movies, right? Yeah, the toxic trauma movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Well, what's what's some other good box art? I mean, like the usual ones are like the Critters movies and stuff like that, or Ghoulies, right? Like, For me, yeah. it was the Howling. Yeah, I remember the Howling looking like this movie must be really cool. Yeah. and like, well, I'm your father, and I'm the one with the money, and no, <laughs> you <laughs> uh, what, don't. Is, is the question what uh, what was 
what didn't live up to the cover, or just like what I'm we, sure the Hallowed yeah. wasn't nearly as cool as the cover art was for it. There's I've a, never no seen way. it. It's a Joe Dante movie, though. There's really? a really yeah. long transformation sequence in that movie where someone could easily escape the werewolf. And oh, it's, it's yeah. seriously like five minutes of just like, oh no, you're still turning into the werewolf. I remember the Hellraiser covers were awesome. Yeah, they were like really high resolution close ups of Pinhead's face. Yeah, to be like, this film is not for children because it's about adultery. <laughs> <laughs> What I like about Hellraiser is it's kind of like a gory version of Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> it's got like the mom and the dad and the, the daughter and Yeah. I guess Hellraiser's Beetlejuice and there's no there's the there's no uh, Alec Baldwin to be seen. Yeah. Um Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank. Um Yeah, he's the Beetlejuice, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh I was like such a scaredy cat. I really avoided the horror aisle completely when I was a kid. Uh, some of the ones I remember seeing were probably like the 80s blob co- cover. Oh, yeah. Uh, I that s- is fantastic, though. That lives up to the... Uh, yeah. I remember the uh, the Evil Dead 2 cover with the skeleton. A lot of people skull. are scared by that image, and I never understood. It. I think it's kind of a weird. It's kind of a weirdly classy cover for what Evil Dead 2 is. Yeah, don't you? It's kind of yeah, yeah. For you, for those of you who haven't seen it, we'll probably put it in the video version of this. But it's a skull with human eye, like just regular eyeballs in it. Yeah, and it's just kind of like a calm skeleton, like looking at the camera with a human eye. It's I didn't think it was that scary. I just remember. It, it just like sticks out. It's a really good cover, but it almost doesn't belong with Evil Dead Two, which is just like slapstick and an know, amazing craziness. movie. But it's amazing, amazing movie, for different but, yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian Medico, uh, what are some of your favorite Halloween costumes that you've worn growing up? Did you usually make your own or get store bought costumes? My parents had to pull rank at one point because I wanted to be the Terminator so many times. I think I was the Terminator. Twice and the third time, my parents were like you got to stop doing this. I really liked the Terminator. Uh, Dick Tracy was an early favorite of mine. Oh, that's though. cool. Mm-hmm. I loved Dick Tracy, so that was probably my favorite as a kid. I remember I dressed up as Mrs. Bates at one point. <laughs> I was in like fourth grade. I had never seen Psycho, but I knew that there was a knife wielding old lady or guy dressed <laughs> so as an you didn't old even, lady. You knew it was a guy dressed as an old lady, though, right? I forget if I really knew the <laughs> twist. I just knew that, uh, you know, I think maybe I had the idea that, like, oh, I'll be an evil granny. I don't know where I got the idea, but I got, like, what the knife with the blood inside of it. Yeah. And I got the wig, and I dressed up, and I went to a school dance dressed as uh, this old lady with a knife. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was probably my best kid costume. How old were you? Like, 10? I forget what grade it was, but um, you remember they used to have like the Halloween dances. They were yeah. called the Fifty Six Club dances. Oh yeah, because yeah. it was for fifth and sixth grade. Oh, That's so maybe right. I was in fifth grade then. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? You probably have a good one. Uh, I have distinct memories of being a Ghostbuster. Mm-hmm. A great uh, costume that you can even like wear a sweater underneath if it's getting cold out. Yeah. Because sometimes October thirty first is actually it's actually cold by then. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. Um, it's comfortable. It's flexible. It's durable. You can roll around. You know. Uh, Let's see. I have a really vague memory of Ninja Turtle costumes between my brother and I, but they were not good. <laughs> it was like tantamount to a bandana. It's I a lot easier Raphael, to be a Ghostbuster. He would have been Leonardo or maybe mm. Donatello, but I definitely would have been Red. And uh, bu- bu- I have I have a lot of memories of, of wearing uncomfortable rubber masks and getting that s- uh, spirit Halloween smell that... Yeah. You just can't get off the of mask. Yeah. I always avoided them. I, I always remember liking them and then regretting them the entire time. I do yeah. have a good story. Uh, one year in school, this must have been like third grade or something, uh, there was a bring your costume to school day, uh, and I didn't know. 
So I came to school without a costume, and everyone else had a costume, and the solution, apparently, I let them do this, was I went to the nurse's office, and in the nurse's office, they had a loner costume. Really? Yeah. Cool. And it was a Good job, Kingston Elementary School. Yeah, but it was a clown outfit. (laughs) And not a scary clown, it was just kind of a... A Gender neutral? Loser, gender neutral clown. (laughs) And I dressed up as the clown, I remember feeling like a little embarrassed, but not like Doug embarrassed. everybody was dressed up in something goofy, probably. I I remember that day because we had a bunch of kids who came as Power Rangers, and they all dressed as the Power Rangers they shared a name with. So there's a kid named Jason who dressed as the Red Ranger... Every girl named Kimberly was dressed as the Pink Ranger. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Oh, yeah. I remember that too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we all went to school I, together. I think I dressed as the mask for that. Really? I remember when you were dressed as the mask. I don't remember what I was that year. Okay. Man, that's smoking. <laughs> Next question. Next question. <laughs> smoking. All right. <clears throat> Bulldozer. Cool. With Hollywood, with how Hollywood seems to be obsessed with making sequels slash reboots for pretty much every old movie nowadays. Here's an interesting question. I agree. Is there a movie you think that has not received a sequel, but could actually use one slash would benefit from a sequel? A movie that would benefit from a sequel that never got one? Correct. Oh, geez. Talking like an older movie? What universe would I enjoy seeing expanded further? For a Uh, while it would have been Incredibles for a while, but now they've taken care of that. Very good. I know that there, there are some plans to do some level of soft reboot or I don't know what to Highlander. I've always been, I thought Highlander was an awesome concept. Most of its iterations have been absolute garbage. Yeah. Uh, just make Highlander cool. Make it an anime, make it, or any other form of animation. Make it a series on Netflix. Yeah. Just, it's, it's, it's people cut each other's heads off and they get their powers and it's kind of gay, but <laughs> it just, it's got a lot of potential There's to no be but after that. awesome. That's the pro. That's a, it's, it's, it's a perfect movie. It's a lot of fun. Highlander could be awesome again. I think, uh, I I know the original, I think they should have made a second Freddy vs. Jason. And it's not a great movie. It's entertaining as hell. Oh, yeah. But it's bad. It's like, it's entertaining in the way that like Batman Forever is really entertaining to me. Um, it's schlock, but like it's always fun to look at. Um, have you ever seen Freddy vs. Jason? Uh, no. You? Oh, yeah. It's weird because, like, there's a bunch of cameos in the movie, and they couldn't get the cameo actors. So there's a guy that's clearly supposed to be Jack Black. There are dudes in it who are clearly supposed to be Jay and Silent Bob, but they couldn't afford Jay Muse. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah, it's a weird movie. But they were trying to make the sequel almost immediately with Bruce Campbell, and there was there's a whole fiasco about not getting to make Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. And I think that would have absolutely elevated the entire thing, like a whole letter grade. Mm. So... Oh, man. The thing is, like, I remember growing up and being in high school and wanting sequels to movies so bad. And then I pretty much got all of them. <laughs> yeah. And, it, like, most of them I was very unhappy with, you know? Uh, yeah, that's I'm totally blanking because everything has been rebooted or given a sequel. And the things that haven't are kind of too sacred to, like Jaws or whatever. Well, there's sequels to Jaws, but you know what I mean. But if someone told you we're going to make a Blade Runner sequel, you'd be like, what? No. And then they did it, and apparently They did. Yeah, And it was worth it, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Or Rocky, like, they just keep making good Rocky movies. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, They should make a new Spinal Tap movie. Huh. That's a good pick. Yeah, just get those guys. They're (laughs) They're all still going. Yeah, they're still still touring. That would be, be great. Yeah, just that make a new funny. Spinal Tap movie. What, I'd watch that. What about um a second Simpsons movie that's just the end? Or is it too late? Not too late. 
if I the mean, movie the first, was the ending. The first Simpsons movie was ending. too late, and it turned out fine. So sure, why not? Yeah, cool. Bayana, who has written into us a couple of times, thank you, longtime fan, longtime listener. She wrote this will apply to all of us, but I'm just gonna read the way she wrote it. Ryan, what's your opinion on Lovecraft? Do you have a favorite tale by him, or any favorite cosmic horror tales at all by any author? In parentheses, Neil and Kevin, I don't know how much you know about HPL, uh, HP Lovecraft, but if you have an opinion, then go ahead. If I may, all right, Lovecraft. I do love cosmic horror, obviously. You've read, you've seen my creepypastas, you've read my stuff, you've watched our videos, you know that we all love horror. Sure. We all love cosmic horror. Uh, and here's how I'll open this. A long time ago, uh, the famous writer George Orwell wrote a really interesting piece criticizing Salvador Dali. Mm-hmm. And he acknowledged that Salvador Dali is both a really talented painter and an asshole. That's the short version. He's a piece of shit human being, but he, what he does is really good and I respect it and appreciate it. Yeah. And it's the point of, uh, of George Orwell's 1984 Animal Farms uh, little letter is about his dissertation, manifesto, whatever, is to acknowledge an intelligent human being is able to keep those two mutually exclusive truths. Salvador Dali can be a brilliant painter and an asshole. H.P. Lovecraft, we're going to take the baby with the bathwater, was a fucking racist. It's hard because the type of horror that Lovecraft wrote, it's once you know those things about him, it's so hard to divorce. Don't separate. Because it makes it into the work, right? Everything kind of starts to feel like a metaphor for those feelings. Mm. My favorite H.P. Lovecraft story, by the way, is uh, a really funky one called The Shadow Out of Time. That's just to answer your question. Uh, but H.P. Lovecraft was a talented writer who had some really bad views mm. on human beings. And yeah. I'm not going to pretend he didn't. It, yeah. There have been other great horror writers since Lovecraft, too, right? And you have to just sort of, like, acknowledge. R.L. Stein. You, you have to acknowledge what Lovecraft did with that grain of salt. Like, yeah, but, you know, you don't need to, like, just read that stuff. I, do you think Lovecraft is easy enough to return to versus something like Shakespeare where, like, it's kind of thick and you really do need to, like, study, like iambic pentameter or whatever to really digest what the writing's about like or do you think you can just sit down with lovecraft and read it today sit down and read it today it still holds yeah i've never read any could you really adapt lovecraft stuff into a movie i mean someone must be trying to make at the mountains of madness guillermo del toro has been like on and off like forever yeah Yeah. uh a reanimator is a good movie oh yeah reanimator's lovecraft the real ghostbusters um the collect call of cthulhu is a really nice... How direct of an adaptation is that? It treats the cult of Cthulhu as a matter of fact. Like, no, this is happening right now. They're they're resurrecting Cthulhu. They're, they're like, summoning him, and the Ghostbusters have to stop him. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. If you like the Ghostbusters and you've never seen that show, that's just watch that episode. They collect Call of Cthulhu. It's a classic. So... A user named Pika Bread wrote, which I get, this is a good question, but I was avoiding it because I'm not sure if I'm saying this correctly. <laughs> not Pika Bread. I think I got that. Pika Bread. Yeah. If I'm saying Pika Bread wrong, Pika Bread. Uh, <laughs> please share with us in the comments. Pika it's Bread wrote. Pika Bread? They just eat oh, a lot mother. of bread? No. <laughs> Pika Bread wrote, okay. what are everyone's opinions on, and if I'm saying this correctly, Toblerone. The fa- the Toblerone. Fancy cho- Toblerone. Oh, the candy? Thank you. Uh, they're the very they're expensive chocolates that come in triangular form with thin tinsel over them. I think they're imported from Switzerland, somewhere in Europe. They are yeah. imported. They don't make them in America. Sure. They're delicious. 
Yeah. That's the short answer is they're delicious. They're great. I once received a bar as a gift around Christmas time, and I ate about half of it, and I completely, I left it wrapped up and uh, until like six months later, and uh, the rest of it was still delicious, and I ate it. Probably shouldn't have, but I ate it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had one in like 10 or 15 years or something, but I remember them being good. I'm not a big chocolate guy normally. Mm. Uh, I don't dislike it, but I, I don't specifically buy it if I have my choice of candy. Um, so... <laughs> So yeah, I, I I'm kind of neutral on Toblerone. I remember it being pretty good. Though. We're gonna find They're out that Pika Bread works for the Toblerone Corporation. They're like, what? Well, watch this. We don't even have to pay them. <laughs> hey, what do you think of Toblerone? <laughs> they don't even give us Toblerones. <laughs> In response Sad. to Hillary Taver- to Pika Breads, Hillary Taverna of all people wrote into us, Pika Breads comment made me think of a video I saw this year of someone opening Ferrero Rocher chocolates and finding maggots in them. Oh, I've seen that. Now my childhood love of them is ruined. My question is, can each of you share one awful food memory from your childhood? I once um, had one of those little $1 pies from Walmart. Yeah. Little cherry pies. Oh. I I didn't store it correctly. I'm not blaming Walmart. Um, It had very small maggots in it, like... I don't know what they were. That's they bad. were little tiny worms. I uh, I had warmed it up for about 10 seconds in the microwave, so they were squiggling, uh, and oh. I didn't see them, and I bit into it, and I looked down, and I realized what was in my mouth, and I spit it out, and uh, then I went and got some more pies the next day. And from the same place? From the same place, yes. You learned your lesson. <laughs> <laughs> it had been st- it had been stored in the in the drawer and it should have been in the fridge. Sure, it was sure. my problem. I'm not blaming the wall the good people at Walmart. This is, this isn't as gross, but I remember in being in preschool, and there were a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts given to us one day, and uh, I was given a jelly donut, and I was so excited to eat it. I was maybe four, and I bit right into it, and I bit on my finger mm-hmm. really hard because I was probably three and a half and i gave myself an awful blister and it like kind of scared me off from having jelly donuts i, I still don't like you jelly associate donuts. Yeah, jelly donuts with I still physical don't. pain with, with yeah i still don't like jelly donuts yeah because i was a stupid kid and i bit into a donut too fast so what about you ryan for me, it would be uh, getting very sick with uh, not food poisoning, but the flu and being in bed, really feeling bad around uh, St. Patrick's Day during March and my mother cooking corned beef and cabbage and the smell with the boiling permeating into you feel it on your skin. Yeah. It's in every room. You can open the windows and the doors, but just not feeling good and having this really thick, very visceral smell on everything and i distinctly remember at the time that the ring had just come out and i Mm. got it on dvd but Mm. that i remember watching the ring feeling really sick and getting the smell when i when i see footage of the ring i think about the smell of corned beef and cabbage i I associate them with very negative feelings of of disgust feelings of feeling sick to your stomach probably enhances the movie though Oh, yeah. 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 The Ring, is. they did a good job. They did a really good job. I enjoyed that movie. I had that kind of happen with me because uh, the first time I watched Rocky, I was over your house. Yeah. And I ate a ton of jerky and Doritos. Probably bought it at Walmart. Yeah. And uh, then I went home and I got the flu that night and I threw all that up and had fever dreams about Rocky. So <laughs> <laughs> I... Were they good? Was he like nice? 
No, you know, with fever dreams, it's more like it's never like the main part of the movie. It's more like the the, the side world. characters and the subplots and stuff. Like and Polly you just was kinda... crying about losing a lottery ticket or something. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> it, you just you just get like uncomfortably focused on something that doesn't really matter when you have a when you have those kind of dreams sure. and. Uh, that's happened to me with Rocky and with uh, the movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. that happened once. Yeah. Alex Johnson writes in. Thank you, Alex. Can you recall? Uh, can you recall any particularly odd or memorable pieces of shareware, or even just websites from the days of slow internet speeds in the '90s? Oh, totally. I mean, like the early days of the internet. We, you know, we got dial-up internet. And it took all day to set up in like '96, I'm guessing. And I remember going down to use the internet. That, that night at like nine o'clock and dialing in and not knowing what to do with the internet. Like mm. just finding a search bar. There was no search bar. There was no Google. Like just finding a website to search through was huge. And I was like, well, I'd, I've heard of Yahoo. So I went to Yahoo and I punched in just Ghostbusters. And I went to like a real Ghostbusters website. It was called Mr. Stay Puff's World of Sounds. It's <laughs> probably still up. And it's just a bunch of wave files of lines from the movies. That Oh, yeah. Shareware was big. Um a lot of yeah, there's like tons of shareware games where it was just like the first couple like levels or whatever. Yeah, uh, Redneck the, Rampage. Yeah, the demo for Postal just popped into my mind Postal. for some reason. <laughs> um, stuff like uh, Winamp that was technically shareware, but it was basically fully functional. I don't know if Win- Winamp was a good example, but there were a lot of programs that kind of had like a weak nag screen that you could just close really quickly. Yeah. My strongest memory would be a pre-YouTube world of looking up really lame, really small, low-quality trailers for The Matrix Reloaded and being really excited my sophomore year of high school that another Matrix movie is coming out. I didn't know. I was waiting for the movie (laughs) to come. I remember downloading uh, video game demos overnight because I wanted to play Monster Truck Madness. And the demo was like one complete level and you could race the AI and I just left the computer on overnight because it was like 12 megabytes or something. And it took all night to download that. But I remember even like the official Microsoft websites looking really rinky-dink at the time for game downloads and such. Carrie Hansen asked, do any of you have weird or crazy fan stories, parentheses, admirers of your work fans, not air-circulating fans? At conventions, I've been recognized and people just want to take photos. I was shooting an interview for my documentary, Not for Resale, the feature I'm editing right now. Uh, at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, and I walked up to this couple and I started interviewing them for the movie. They were into it; they were totally game. And then when we were done interviewing, they both mentioned like, "Oh, we love New Kids on the Rock" and all this stuff. Like they were very nice about it. Um, but no, I don't have any weirdo stories. I don't have any people. Uh, you might have. Like, didn't you have someone like put your address up on the internet once? Uh, I that was me. I put my address. <laughs> no, up no, on you the asked internet. us like what we should. No, I remember this because you're sister and Laura and everybody were like we need to like get this off the internet and you're like I don't think it's that big of a deal and like then you asked Ryan me like is this a big deal because someone had uploaded a YouTube video with like a satellite oh, image of I your- remember well that was that was kind of my fault because I, I I made the video on YouTube early days of YouTube uh, before internet harassment was like asking for death threats yeah I, I thought it would be kind of funny and ironic to make a video where I had a contest where I asked for creative death threats and I asked people to make video responses because yeah, video responses were used to be a thing on YouTube. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, uh, I, you know, I will rank the uh, the winners of the of the most creative death threats, and most of them got the joke and were cool. Uh, but there was one that actually like incorporated my address and like a satellite photo of my house that I thought was 
crossing the line. But I, I also was like, yeah, I know that I kind of like invited this dark person humor, probably you know? meant well. Like, yeah, they probably got an A for effort. But yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, my most interesting fan story. I think I've told it before, maybe not on the podcast. Uh, but if you Google my name and Joe Jonas, you'll probably find me telling it on Twitter. Um, Joe Jonas contacted me, and he was a fan of uh, my mouth. Not my mouth. My mouth moods. Not my. Ma- no. Uh, your, your music. <laughs> he was a fan of like some of my, my, my mashup albums, and um, he, I guess, didn't know anyone else in Boston, so he uh, asked me to uh, meet him backstage before his band did a show, and uh, they were all really nice, cool people, and I, you know, got to watch this, you know, you know, crazy expensive uh, pop show that was like super packed and filled out the whole, you know. Um, hockey arena that they were playing in uh just like the kind of show that i would never go to otherwise well you ryan you ever get recognized or anything once a long time a long long time ago i was in cambridge and i was walking to the garment district which is not an actual district it's a store it's a fun store vintage clothes and uh you can buy clothes by yep, the pound yep they have a they have a pit where you just like dig through a whole pile of, of filth yeah and uh a guy knew me from pipe dream one of the earliest, earliest things I did way before college, the, may, arguably the first video I put together. Uh, and uh, On like Google Video, right? Not on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, it was yeah. not uploaded to YouTube. Because yeah, Google Video YouTube. was the first platform you could just do as long, would, as, long as you want. I like, would show it at like parties and things with my uh, mini DV camcorder hooked up with a uh, yellow, white, red RCA cable to the TV. That was the best way of distributing this yeah. um, to... Get an audience of like five <laughs> humans. That Back is. Back then, you were a movie star, though, because <laughs> you made a movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it took effort. People didn't before you had HD recording in your pocket everywhere you go yeah. um, with your phone. You had to actually like make a conscious decision to pick up a camera and like do Ca- something. You had to capture that footage analog style to your computer and everything. So people were impressed by it. But the, you, you got recognized for being for making that movie. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for this episode's Q&A segment. If you'd like to ask a question for our next episode, head on over to guaranteedvideo.com, become a patron. You can put in any amount you want. Uh, We only charge whenever we make a new movie, not even monthly. So you put in $1, you can be on the Q&A list if you'd like. Uh, Ryan, Neil, I guess that's it for this episode of Guaranteed Audio. That is it. What a ride, guys. We're back. A dinosaur Dinosaur story story. is aged like wine. Yeah, we want to thank Corey, our dinosaur expert, and... uh, Rodney. Yep, Rodney was great. Um, We'll be back soon with our next episode and hopefully a new movie in the near future. Thanks Mm -hmm. for sticking with the show. If you'd like to see the other episodes of Guaranteed Audio, just head on over to our YouTube page. We'll probably put a link in the video somewhere, uh, maybe above us, because there's the most amount of headroom up there. Oh, I thought you were swatting at a fly or something. Yeah, well, it'll be put in later. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So... Um, but yeah, we have you know a bunch of other podcasts and bonus features and behind the scenes material from our other movies, and that's all I have to say. All right, Papa Gino's, let's Papa go get some Gino. pizza. <laughs> Are we gonna stay in our suits? No. <laughs>